She's up against the register. Apron and a spatula. Yesterday's deliveries. You know, she's just an invitation to the blues. And you feel just like Agni. She looks like Rita Hayworth. Way of the future. Way of the future. Good morning. Way of the future. How are you? <clears throat> Way of the future. You sound like you just woke up and rolled out of bed. Mm, I don't roll. Fall. Hmm. Um, are you curious? Epicurious. Hmm. Um, I do somewhere between uh, springing, bouncing, rolling, fumbling. <laughs> it's kind of a Bob Fosse thing. It's like jazz hands. 7, 10 a.m., boom, jazz hands. Does it take you a while to sort of come out of, uh, of a stupor of sleep, or are you pretty much like uh, you hit the ground running awake, ready to go? Just like Fosse. Showtime, folks. I eat a big handful of speed, put in some Visine, and look at myself in the mirror. <laughs> then I roll up my pants over my cool boots. <laughs> Showtime, folks. You ever seen that movie? All that jazz? Yeah. It's a really good movie. That's a, I haven't seen it, though, since I was much younger. Mm. And ranking should be in more things, especially 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Can't I am. Um, go back. I read something. I know how you're, you're a big fan of Zen and everything Zen related. I think I read this in a book in college, and you can derail this into something about Buddhism quickly. I, I, I heard that. <laughs> Is that a request or hmm? just no, a prediction? No, it was a passive aggressive slam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why this struck me. As, as, as uh, somebody who used to be a late sleeper, uh, I wish I get the quote right, but we'll get it. But something like um, about how you should get out of bed. Oh, I can't even remember it now. But something like you know that basically you know you should you should leap out of bed and like tear off your bed clothes or something. That makes you sound crazy. But the idea is that like something along the lines of it's a Zen thing about and you know what let's start over. Get out of bed with a certain amount of enthusiasm and energy, and that's actually something I try to do as I get older. Dan, have you ever seen a very, very old kind of heavy man with thin bones have to get out of a recliner? <laughs> I'm not, now, listen, I'm not talking about that kind you buy on TV that lifts with, the, with the, the engine. Have you ever seen somebody my age or older in a very, very, very comfortable recliner stand up? Do, do you know the motion for this? I know exactly what you mean. It's sort of a rocking. Well, it starts with a rock and ends with a kick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, and like Seinfeld says, it's like tipping over a Coke machine. You don't do it the first time. You got to rock it a little bit. <laughs> so when you're getting out of a... If a and, and gratefully for me, I don't own a recliner. So I, I only really know this in the abstract from watching my grandfather over the years. Um, he's, he's dead now, so I don't see that so much anymore. But he, he would lean back in his lazy boy and, and it rocked. He had a rocking lazy boy. He had a very top of the line. It's one of the few things my incredibly penurious grandfather really treated himself to was a, a nice... Uh, lazy boy. He would lean back and he, he would lift his leg, lift his diabetic leg and kick. And, and that would kind of get the engines going. Was the other leg not diabetic? No, the other leg, I think it was named Sid. <laughs> no, it was also probably named Barry. And he would lean back and he'd give it a kick and that would kind of get the engines going. And then he'd lean back further, give it another kick. And then maybe on the third or fourth try, he would achieve, you know, um, <laughs> what do they call it? You know, like he was able to actually get into orbit. And so he would, he would kick himself out of his chair. I do something similar when I get out of bed. I tear off the covers and then I, 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 I kick until I get out, out of bed. I, I, get up, I get up with abandon. doesn't make me any less tired. Dan, we're recording the show at a new time. Two things we must announce at the top of the show. It's a, it was a new time because so, some people like to listen live. Yeah. 
And uh, also, uh, where are our show notes for this episode so people can follow along? Show notes are at 5by5.tv slash B2W. That's B is in boy, two is in the number, W is in women, slash 84. So 5by5.tv slash B2W slash 84. And you can see all the show notes and links that uh, we carefully curate for your perusal right there. What's, uh, what's your, do you have a method of, of, of any kind? Now, it's my understanding that you don't really get to sleep. That is correct. You're correct. But I'm sorry, I put that poorly. English is a very slippery language. Uh, you are not afforded the opportunity for a great deal of sleep such that you might actually need to wake up with any sort of clarity. Yeah, I don't... Like, I remember <laughs> there was a time once when I used to wake up when I wanted to. <laughs> uh, and even then, I, I just would wake up early. Like, I've always woken up early my whole life. I remember being a kid and waking up so early on so, just with such consistency... This is back in the days when a television was a large square box and it had a thing on the front that you would turn with your fingers to change something called a channel. And you would, you would have to do, it would take some force to do this. So my parents would put the channel that had first the Archies and then a variety of other shows would come on after that. It could be Ultraman. It could be Battle of the Planets. Are you talking like weekdays, super early? Yeah, I would always wake up usually between five thirty and six. Archie's Ultraman was on. Ultraman was on. Ultraman was on so early in Florida. Yeah, well, this was in Philly, but it would come on at five thirty. Would be the Archie's, and six o'clock would be Ultraman. So I would wake up at sometime in the five forty-five ish time. I would come downstairs. My parents would have preset the TV so that I would just. I'm about three and a half, four years old. I would come downstairs. I knew how to turn the TV on. I would turn it on and I would watch uh, the end of the Archies, which just was torture. It was just torture getting through this. And, uh, and then Ultraman or, or Battle of the Planets or whatever would come on. A Speed Racer eventually came on. Oh, these are all terrible Japanese programs. Uh, the best. And I would watch them and that was... Yeah. That pretty much, did, that's all you need to know about me to really understand me is that thought, that was my all, I, thought, I thought Battle window. of the Planets was a mass hysteria. There, no, it was I, a great show. Yeah. Huh. And would they turn into like, would they become like a, a pyramid that would turn into something or something when they... Well, they could, they could jump on top of each, sort of like a, almost like a cheerleading pyramid, but they could spin around and that was sort of their ultimate attack. They would work as a team spinning around and, uh, and, and then they also had a, their spaceship, fighter ship could turn into some kind of, for lack of a better term, and I don't want to derail us right now if I say this word with you, but no. a phoenix of sorts... Mm. that would turn into this sort of fiery phoenix mm -hmm. thing and if like if the ship could turn into this why didn't just why don't they do that first like when they're why wait till the end until they're almost all dead anyway uh. No, I, I, t I totally show. agree. I, it's very, it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating to me when somebody has a superpower that they don't use. I understand that that. Why hold it story. back? Just use it in the beginning. Save the trouble. Isn't that kind of the thing with the Hulk? Does the Hulk actually? Does he get stronger? And bigger when he gets mad, or he definitely gets stronger when he gets frustrated. Like if he was trying to get a knot out of his shoelace, he would. I mean, obviously, I mean, <laughs> well, no, he's not going to get a little bit. What if he's he not going to stay banner and, okay, and get a little strong? Friendly shoes. What if he had? It was made. Um, it's very early, Dan. What if he had that X Men um, molecular fiber thing that didn't cause him to have exploded purple pants? What if? What if he had purple shoes that grew with his Hulk feet, but the knot remained mm -hmm. just as an existential exercise? Would he get more and more frustrated? And get bigger 
does he get bigger or just stronger? Because he gets seems to get stronger in Avengers, the the film. He seems he seems to actually get stronger when he gets madder. No, I don't that's follow absolutely modern. right. He does he does get stronger when he gets more angry. And as far as size, this has been portrayed differently throughout the years. In some some tellings, yes, he would also get bigger as he got stronger. He seems uh, to get way bigger sometimes. Yeah, there have been times where he's been fairly large. It's like he's like he's watching cable or something. Way bigger. Hmm. Um, hmm. Hmm. Boy, I liked the uh, I liked the uh, I like the portrayal of him in that movie. I, See, I told you we would derail it if I said Phoenix. Why wouldn't he just? I'm not talking about Phoenix. We don't talk I about. I just Phoenix? knew we would derail it if we. Why doesn't he just punch himself in the nose until he's strong enough to kick Loki's ass? I mean, you know, let's take his red. You know, Loki. But you know, Loki's. Here's the other thing, and here's the other thing that drives me crazy in a movie is, and, and this is this seems to go back a pretty long way, but it's become a huge problem in the last like 30 years, which is you set something up, whether that's Friday the 13th or whether that's the Avengers or whatever. In the first act, you set the villain up as someone that is virtually impossible to beat because of some power. I guess it's the Tesseract in this case, right? Is that what mm. it's called? The, the that's magic the word. Cube? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and so you set somebody up as being virtually impossible to beat, but then like they're actually kind of pretty easy to beat eventually. I don't like that, Dan. Yeah. Especially on the other hand, if you got your superpowers you're not using. Um, what did he used to what Ultraman say? Was that Kayata or something like that? Hayata was Hayata. was his the, name? the name of the human being. Um oh, right. Before it was un, that's when he was unrubber suited. What what did he what did he say when he held up his spoon? What would he, what did he say? Uh, how would he call out? I'm trying to remember now. I think I've been, I think I've been yelling the wrong thing. This is why I can't turn it well, off. Yeah, because Hayata was his name, and he didn't... Here's the interesting part is, he wasn't exactly turning into Ultraman. Hmm. Um. Oh, really? Is this a Phoenix situation? Was he inhabited by the Ultraman force? More like that. Um, mm. Because it... What happened was somehow he had saved Ultraman's life and whoa yeah so as as to be grateful he would he was given this little um this little device that's why it's time limited yeah he would well that's also has to do with the earth's atmosphere and the sunlight uh thing but but it's a it's a superpower version of demo where yeah because he would have this little the this little blinky chest thing well, that was on Ultraman, but the, Hayata would have this little thing that he would hold. It had a little button on it. The Japanese spoon. And he would press the spoon, mm-hmm. and that would... there. So it was a transformation, mm-hmm. but it was a little... He, it wasn't like Hayata turned into Ultraman. It's like Ultraman would sort of tra- inhabit... They were two different beings. Is it kind of like Captain Marvel? It's more like Captain Marvel than the Hulk. Huh. So he could call upon this thing that would come down. And, and I mean, and again, is it a little like Thor calling down the lightning bolt? And if I could say as a derail, why in the F doesn't Thor just call down that lightning bolt all the time? Why doesn't Storm just always go straight to lightning? She, 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 she blows somebody a little bit with, with the wind and then he goes, hey, that's not really working. I guess I better hit Proteus with the lightning. I, uh, I used to, so there's, there's a variety of reasons that I never got filled. First of all, I wrote a couple things down here. First of all, I did not know that there was an Ultraman force. I thought I was actually trying to turn into Ultraman. Second of all, I yelled the wrong thing. I yelled, I yelled what was essentially my own character's name. And third, I was holding a spoon in my grandparents' living room. Mm-hmm. I'm just watching Grandpa kick and kick. If anybody in the chat room knows what T used to shout, I, I, it's killing me now. I think he said, oh, elders, fleet, no, and strong, no, and wise. No, no, no. Hmm. 
And then a cartoon would appear. Hmm. Do you know the origin of the Archies? Do you know how the... Now, first of all, did, did, now, did you learn all of this in retrospect? Did you read this in World, World Book Encyclopedia? Because I watched Ultraman and I never understood what was going on. No, I knew this. You learned that. You yeah. were three and you learned that. Well, I probably understood yet. it with clarity by four. Mm. God, that meditation pays off. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I was really into Ultraman and I liked the, you know... I knew the different attacks and did you do that? Did you do that thing where you? Where oh you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. Shoo watch. That's what he would shout. That's thanks very much to T Dubos. Er, How did I forget that? I'm that, embarrassed. Is that phonetic? Now that is that phonetic? That. Um, I would spell it S H U dash watch. Shoo watch. And you would hear no. It's like shoo watch, and you would hear Fuck. the echoes in the background. Oh, oh, oh. But the intro sound where they got the two, the spinning, the spinning goop, the spinning, you know what I'm talking about with that sound? I barely remember this. Still, to this day, Mm. if I hear that sound, I will get like instant taken back to being a four-year-old watching the show. I'll get chills. It's like the, there's no sound that is more identifiable to me in the world than the intro. Do you not know what I'm talking about? I'm trying. Well, Hold on. You know what I'm going to do? I'll, I'll, let me go grab a cable and I'll plug in this other computer. Cause I'm this, this studio is a wreck now. We're redoing You're doing it a now. marker here. I will do a marker. Yeah. I got to get a cable first. Can you okay. wait for the cable? Yeah. 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 All I'm right. going to try and find it while you're doing that. All right. I think that's what people tune in for. Okay. Ultra man sound. What sound are you looking for? The intro? Merlin man and Dan Benjamin <laughs> on productivity Communication, work, barriers, constraints, tools, and the sound that Ultraman makes. Yeah. Oh God, is that he the was so description cool for? I see. I see so many old. Oh yeah. Oh. What are you doing? Oh, there's a lot of. I'm just listening. There's a lot of. Spr- there's a lot of spring reverb on these. On what? On the. Oh sound? no, I'm on YouTube listening to Ultraman sounds. Yeah. And hold they on. got they got a lot of cheap reverb on them. Back then, like. that was expensive. Yes. That's you know, it's a good point. Hold on, I'm gonna plug this in. Hang on. Okay. Boy, he, he looks like a I don't know if this is ableist, but he looks like a uh I don't know, is, are you are you allowed to say cross eyed? Yeah. Um or, or, or orbitally attractive eyes. He looks like a cross eyed mantis. All right. One, on, my, one of my favorite Jethro Tell songs. I'm getting set up here. Cross eyed mantis. All right. Hang on. Now uh, we gotta call it up. Early here. Is it? You ever do that thing with the X and Y axis with your arms? Isn't that, wasn't that his big move? Of course I do. I, I still do that almost daily. Yeah, I want to circle back to this. All right. And we got to do the English one because I heard it in English and I understand. So you're going to have to hear this sound. I hope it's not going to be too loud. So I get this ready. Loud. Can't be too loud. I know. All right. Let's see how this works. can't hear it without getting a little freaked out boy is that could that maybe be like your not your fetish your talisman could that be you know like when you got the uh, nike plus and you're running and you can play your power song could that be something you keep nearby when you need to get really pumped up for something (laughs) yeah i probably should (sighs) 
mean, it's just it's 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 a, it's a, for people who haven't didn't watch this. They're like, yeah. that sounds that really sucks. Why did you just make me listen to that? And then for the other, you know, percentage, people are like, a single tear just ran down my cheek, and I remembered did, my remember lost youth. He would do that thing where he put his and before he flew, he put his hands by his side. He looked real solemn, and then you kind of look at turn, look <laughs> yeah. up at the yeah. sky a little bit. That was at the yeah. That was when he would be oh. time from the head back. But he had a whole bunch of different tricks. Wouldn't it be? It would be kind of neat to have something in my chest, not not like a repulsor thing, but to have something <laughs> in my chest that would let me know. You know, you're time about to done. go. <laughs> you're about done here. <laughs> Instead of just the sort of awkward, you yeah. know, standing around wondering why no one's talking to you anymore. Time to go. <laughs> that would be handy. So is this what do you, people do you think tune in yeah. for to hear? Or we'll, we'll cut all of this out. All right, we'll get it. Do you remember so intensely wanting to have a given superpower? I, I have such a strong memory of certain, and I'm not going to say who, but certain superheroes when I was a kid, like intensely, intensely wanting to have a certain superpower. And Which, I think there's can one. Can you and, say what the power is or would that give it I, away? I can't. I don't want to spoil it because I'd like to hear yours, but my, my daughter completely apropos of nothing, wants the same superhero powers as mine. It's not one of our primary characters either. <laughs> it was not one of my primary characters as a kid. A lot of kids, it's, there's a Superman. I think there's another, I wanted to be Spider-Man so much. I wanted to climb walls. The webs, <laughs> yes. But I, I would spend so long, and I see it. My daughter and I are waiting for the train and she's trying to climb walls. It's... <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a spy, Spider-Fian, Sisyphean task. But don't you, did you ever intensely want to have a superpower? Yeah, two, but one when I was younger, one when I was older. Okay. One when I was younger, I wanted to fly, of course. Yeah. When I was older, teleportation. Oh, God, wouldn't that be handy? That would be super handy. But what if you couldn't control it? What if it was just like, it was almost like a defense mechanism? Like, have you ever tripped and fallen and you, you fall, but you, you put your arms out in front of you and you're not mm -hmm. thinking, I am falling. I should put my arms down for me. Just... We don't run. This is why we don't run with a sharp stick. <laughs> right. Because you put your arms down. What if that's the only teleportation that you had? And what if it always took you back to the same place, like your bedroom as a child or something? Okay. That's so probably how you... my teleportation would wind up working. <laughs> what if you couldn't teleport until you were accidentally falling down? Yeah. Something like that. Or like, like it was, you know, just a, like an, an instinctual, you know, if somebody chucks something at your head, you just kind of dodge it. What if it was like that? You couldn't really do anything. And then you just, every time you wind up back in, uh, you know, in Abington, I'm very uh, attracted. Pennsylvania. I must tell you, first of all, A, I'm very attracted to superheroes like the Hulk, who, who, in my memory, don't have the ability to call up that power at will, right? It's a maybe nice limitation. It's a fantastic limitation. So, like, maybe... Like it's, it comes at really inappropriate times, like when you're at a Denny's and they brought you home fries instead of hash browns. Right. That's super inconvenient because those booths can be very small. And, 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 and this is, again, this is another thing we, we should get into this later in this very important program, which is superhero power inflation, which I find super frustrating. One reason, one of the numerous reasons that Nightcrawler is my favorite of the X-Men is, you know, setting aside all of his emotional problems that I completely relate to is that at first... He could only, his porting is very limited. He could only port for limited mm. distances and he has to be able to see where he's teleporting to. And it's a really huge move when he's, as I remember, somewhere in the hundreds where he's able to teleport into a space inside of another thing without a la Kitty, like accidentally like getting stuck somewhere. Like he might teleport into some concrete if he's not careful. But I like that limitation. I like that limitation of the team has to work together, right? Because Wolverine can't fly, so he has to have Colossus give him the fastball special. You know what I'm saying? You've you got to be able to put it around. But then here's the other thing with Nightcrawler, and I'll throw back after this. I, 
Nightcrawler, he's pretty strong. He's okay strong. He's definitely very fast and agile, but I love the way that he can kick your ass just by porting super fast. Mm-hmm. I would That is what I would like to have. Yeah. But I wouldn't do it to, to harm people. You know the thing you do when you're a kid where you thwick, <laughs> like, thwack, mostly it happened to me, but like you thwick somebody on the ear, like you go, whack, whack. Oh, yeah, no, I know exactly what. I would do that like 90 times in a second, but not hard, but I would just do it to just disorient somebody. Their ears would be red in like, in like 10 seconds and they don't know why. And, but they just smell sulfur and, and hear me crying. Yeah. Boy, I, I just remember wanting a superpower so much. Flying, I think a lot of kids, Superman is a really big deal because he can do so much cool stuff. But that ability, when you're, and I have to imagine there's been a, a lot of self-harm based on the, <laughs> uh, based on, oddly, ironically enough, based on the old Superman black and white show where he would do that little stompy jump and yeah. go out a window. Didn't you want to do that? Sort of like lemon grab. Like you're hoping, you're, aren't you secretly hoping? <laughs> <laughs> lemon grab. So by the way, it's my favorite scene in that whole thing when he's just screaming and walking toward the window. Don't you kind of wish he would just fly after that? Not really. It's a good scene. Oh man, good week. Well, this this is going to be a big week. This is a big one. A lot of things going down this week. Uh, huge week. What are you What are you talking? You keep talking. Are you going to that conference? Is no, that what you're doing? I'm not doing? Why do you keep talking about that conference? No. What's going to happen at that conference? You keep, you keep mentioning every time I... I, I, I well, this I, week is the iPhone week. Oh, yeah. But I mean... You, no, this is I, the, the iPhone week. That's what my focus is this week. Oh, awesome. Um, so uh, it's been a good week. It's been a big week. A little bit of follow-up. Um, boy, first of all, I, I got to tell you, buddy, I, I'm just going to say this. Say I it. really... Okay, can I just say this? Do it. Way the future. <laughs> <laughs> I... Really like last week's episode. It's really good. I think that right. passes that and trumps be, number seven. You know what? I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it. It might be my favorite episode. Um, even though it's a topic that I am not obsessed with. <laughs> I, I personally, I, if you haven't listened to it, shame on you. Um, show me all the blueprints. Uh, I really like last week's episode. And it's brought me back. Okay, I'm just going to be honest. All right. Because that's all I can do. Can do I it. be honest with you? Finally. I'm not going to lie to you. I, uh, I had not ever considered how many things I do have a flavor. I, I hate saying OCD because I don't know if that's what it is. No, that's what it is. But, well, yeah, but you know, it just drives me crazy when people self-diagnose this thing and, and announce it like it's, you know, something. But, but elements of what ha- people have described as obsessive compulsive behavior, I'm not going to say it's pathological with me, but we talked about this offline. Like, you know, we, we, we talked about we talked about this a lot offline. Yeah, last week's episode was about OCD-like behaviors, and in particular, we, we know started talking about the Howard Hughes movie, which I've now watched five times compulsively. But um, I go and I buy my wife a magazine at the Walgreens, as you do, and and uh, back me up on this. I never ever ever pick never the first one. Never can't be the first one. Third one. Or further back, but also not the last one and not never the bottom one. Never pick the last one. Never pick the first one. One in the middle. I like the third. Yeah, third is good. Four is good for counting. Three is good for entropy. Yeah. And then you the also got to check one, dates. You check dates, a, right? You check dates on everything? Are you kidding me? I check dates on everything. Yeah, everything. Look, you know, I don't believe water can expire, but I still check the date. Yeah, you know, the date's not good. Dates. And you want to compare to it. Ideally, you can find two other dates. And then you don't want to do the, the most recent one because if there is, is some kind of poisoning then it, it wouldn't have been found yet. Dan, but you don't get out do, of my head. You don't want to do the... recall. I see the most recent, I think recall. Recall, there's a problem uh, with it that they haven't figured out yet, and that's the one that's going to be on the, the most news. Recent, the most recent one is the one with Listeria. Yes. 
So if you go, then if you go to the old one, then that one's too close to expiration. You can't do that. You kind of want the middle. Oh my God. I've never felt such a horrible mix of, of comfort and uncomfort. <laughs> right. I, I, I hate the fact that I'm not the only person, but I'm really, and, uh, and lots of other things I think about. I think about how. Like us, diapers don't expire, but I would do the same thing for, ugh. you know. Boy if, boy, if there's any fault intolerance in your life, that better be a diaper. That thing needs to just go. I've been very dissatisfied with some diapers, Dan. I got to be honest with you. Huh. Anyway, I thought it was a really good um, uh, episode. I mean, I, I, I thought it was an amusing episode and I think it was, I hope it was useful to people uh, as it was to me in thinking about, you know, stuff. Just a little bit of follow-up uh, on that. First of all, uh, watching that movie so many times and, and The Aviator by uh, Martin Scorsese. <clears throat> Dan, would you be good enough to put that into show notes? Yes, I would ha- be happy to. I uh, What a fantastic movie. I think it's so great. And it's one of those movies like, for me, my number one movie in like, ugh, this is hard to watch, is uh, definitely Synecdoche, New York. Um, it's just... Synecdoche, New York, it's like the Smiths. Like, if, you know what? I understand some of you aren't going to like it, and I'm okay with that, but you're wrong. <laughs> like, it's such a good movie, at least for the way my brain works. I, I, it's, it's so moving to me. And the scene with him with the index cards, as we've discussed, is just, you know, it's too close. But um, in this instance, um, there were a lot of things in this movie that really resonated with me. And to our point last week of these flavors and these levels of obsessions and compulsions the whole movie a big part uh, the first part of the movie is him trying to make hell's angels that's which right. i think yeah. was like his third movie or so yeah but it ended up taking something like four years and cost like three million dollars to make in 1926 1928 dollars isn't that right that does sound correct and that's i don't know what that would be adjusted for today but it's it was at the time w- way beyond the most expensive oh, thing that was absolutely ever. i mean ridiculously expensive and but there was, it was, there was something instructive in that first part, I think by design, which was to show this really, really brilliant guy who's quirky, but whose track record was pretty impeccable already. Um, you know, for somebody who was old, uh, you know, drill bit money was, was pretty amazing. What Hughes, this guy could Hughes do. Tool Company. Is that what his dad's company was called? Yeah. What a great name. Hughes Tools. Yeah. Hmm. Um... But the, uh, there's that great scene where he goes up to Louis B. Mayer and asks, he's like, he's running out of, he needs more cameras to shoot it. And he's like, well, how many you need? How many you have right now? And he goes, 24. <laughs> and I'm like, that's more cameras than Louis B. Mayer has yeah. and laughs it off. But there's this, he's put so much into this. He like hand tints it. And then there's that horrible, awkward scene of him sitting in the theater at the premiere. And just this expression on Leonardo DiCaprio's face is like so perfect. He's, yeah. what? He's, it's somewhere, it's he's definitely cringing, but it's also like like he's trying to hold his bowels and is waiting to be hit with a sock full of pennies. It's such an awful expression because I, I'm guessing that all he can see is everything that he wishes were different about right, it. Right. He's oh, and another point, he sees a jazz singer and decides to add sound. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like the movie's almost done, and he decides to go back and add sound. So that, in retrospect. You could look at that and say, oh, that's ha ha ha. That's an early sign of, you know, not shouldn't pick up the milk with my right hand stuff. But, you know, that evidenced itself as something we admire in a lot of people, right? I, mean, I think I've heard you and Grooves talk about this. We've talked about it. Stanley yeah. Kubrick. Like, you know, the- I mean, it's it. Well, this is this is the thing. I think that it, as is often the case, amazing, uh, you know, what 
we look at the end result of something. We look at a, a Kubrick film that's, that's amazing, and we understand that the process to get there involves some kind of madness, usually. And I think that it doesn't have to be that way, but I think frequently it's that way, is that we are beneficiaries of the, the problems and the madness and the suffering that the people who were involved in, in making that thing that we so enjoy, we're, we're beneficiaries of their madness. And it's, it's unfortunate that I think it has to be that way. And is it, something, is it something that, you know, people, I think, look to that and they admire it. They think, wow, this is almost, it's almost like some kind of noble trade. And I think, I think the end result is important, but I don't necessarily think that in many cases, the path to that is something that, that, that anyone would choose. Oh God, no question. I mean, I made that crack last week about trepanation or trepanning, I guess it's called, you know, it's like, how do you get the bad thoughts out? Do you play racquetball? Right. I mean, I think everybody to get the screaming out of their head does different things. And I, I, just while you were saying that, I can already think of like half a dozen people in in this group that what um, beautiful losers and genius lunatics. There are these people who have created these things where part of what makes us obviously there there are people who make things that we really 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 admire and love and feel some kind of a resonance with uh, because the work itself is fantastic. But there's another level to what they make when you know the backstory. And I'll just, I'll peel off a few here. Um, Brian Wilson and Pet Sounds slash Smile. Uh, Vincent Van Gogh. Um, what, Alex Chilton, Chad, uh, Chet Baker. Uh, there are a lot of people that, whose work I admire that I think partly what brought me to them in some ways is knowing that backstory. I mean, if you can listen to Pet Sounds in the context of what else was coming out in 1966, and you don't understand how magical that album is, I don't know. I think you're not listening carefully enough. But then when you know what went into it, the Howard Hughes stuff that he brought into that, and especially with his next abortive record, Smile. But, you know, he brought in the, uh, what was it, the Wrecking Crew. He brought in Phil Spector's amazing band to do all of these takes. He would do all this, this crazy stuff. Like, um, like, when's the last time you heard a hit song with two accordions on it? I mean, in 1966, <laughs> how many rock songs had two accordions on two. it? Well, what Paul McCartney has called the greatest song ever written, God Only Knows, to my knowledge, I believe it does have two accordions on it. And, you know, introducing the theremin, and, and this is one of the many reasons to despise Mike Love with, with a hot burning hell-like heat, is that, you know, he was understandably the guy who sang, you know, surfing USA and stuff. And he would go into the studio with, with, with his little hat on and go like, what in the hell is happening in here? Like, you know, even the go along guys, you know, like Carl and, and, and um, uh, Al would go in there and be like, Hmm, this is pretty crazy today, but look what came out of it. I mean, who knows if he had to eventually like play piano in a sandbox to be able to write like surfs up. Yeah. His cats were pooping in, in, in the sandbox. He made a sandbox in his living room and played a piano in it. Like, that's certainly at least quirky. Look at Sid Barrett uh, from Pink Floyd. What a horrible, horrible case. The way that he started out and the way he ended up. And only, I mean, fact check me on all of this, people. I'll, I'll apologize in, in advance. But, I mean, it only took like a year of taking a crap ton of acid for him to get to the point where he would just stand catatonic on stage. When anybody could look at him and see he was going to be one of the bright lights of, of pop music over the next 10 years. But then look at Van Gogh. I mean, you know, boy, just you talk talk about an amazing artist 
uh, out before his time, but with talk about demons, my God, could could he have made like Starry Night or the Crows in the Field? Like, could he have made those paintings if he weren't so tortured? Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe he could have. The, on the other hand, you got the William Carlos Williamses of the world, who he's a physician writing poems on the back of prescription. Uh, you know, why do I always say this wrong? On the back of prescription sheets. So, I mean, I don't think you <laughs> you don't have to be crazy to work here, but it helps. <laughs> There's, you know what I'm saying though? I yeah. think there's something to, I, I mean, you look, so you like you and me to get back to the pseudo point here. When we watch something like that, you know, that movie, like I haven't watched Hell's Angels yet, but even just the scenes that you could see on screen, it's probably not the greatest movie ever made, but to know that like his ideas of like t making um, a single wing plane yeah, with like him flying it with a camera just so he could get these shots mm -hmm. to show the size of these things in context. I mean, you know, somebody somebody who's just in that racket to get a movie done is not going to do that. It takes a certain kind of madness to be able to do that. Right. Sorry, that was long. That was. But I, yeah, sorry. But don't, hmm. Does that make you admire people more when you know that there's a little bit crazy going into it? Well, I think, you know, what, I think I mentioned this. One of us said this. I thought it was me, but I, it could have been you, is you know, Howard Hughes, I think, and, and his, the, his accomplishments. And I think I mentioned what I think I, my quote was, or your quote was that he's sort of a, a hero for the OCD yeah, you said that. community. Mm -hmm. And the reason why he's a hero to me is because his OCD and mental issues were two things. One, they were way more severe than most folks, uh, you know, I'm sure there's people who have it worse, but I mean, he had these challenges and at the same time, he had these incredible successes that eclipsed in many ways, the challenges that he had. And the fact that he was able to persevere at least in the, you know, significant earlier part of his life, the fact that he was able to persevere and, still do all of this great stuff that we still benefit in many ways from today. That's, that's the inspirational part. That's why I say that he's a hero. And I mean, of course there's always that part where you're like, wow, he was way worse than I was. Uh, and, and you kind of feel better about yourself because wow, there was somebody who was like epically worse, but that's not what I meant. And it's that type of thing that understanding that here was somebody who faced incredible, incredible challenges and internal struggles that we'll never fully comprehend and yet still did so many great things and was able mm -hmm. to, to face it and, uh, and, and get on with things in a lot of ways. Uh, that's, that's sort of why. Mm -hmm. Sorry, but, that was a little long. Yeah, that's all right. The, <laughs> the, uh, word I was looking for escape velocity, by the way. Um, the um 20 minutes ago i uh i have really uh complex feelings about this because i i think this shades into a lot of stuff that i'm very interested one of them is for example the time and attention issue where it's on the face of it it would seem that my counsel is to say to focus like you said like focus 100% on something don't focus on anything else but like where do you find the balance in that even as a quote unquote healthy person mm. I mean, it, it, at least in the way, in my, in my model of how time and attention works, uh, you know, the way that we spend our time gives us 
much of the input, arguably almost all the input we need to decide where to focus our attention. And where we repeatedly focus our attention can't help but tell us how to spend our time. I truly, truly believe that. And the, to me, the functional component of that is, well, if you, fo- if you focus your attention on very low-yield, um, uncreative, you know, uh, unchallenging, unflow state things, then why would you be surprised that that's also where your time goes? And when your time goes, and I'm trying to avoid saying things like Facebook, but if you find yourself really highly engaged with stuff that merely holds your attention at a very low level of engagement. And if you're honest about that, I'll bet you got a few of those. If you do that all the time, that is a, that is a cycle of time and attention that I think is worth being aware of and breaking out of. And then at the other end of the spectrum, like, do you want to, do you want to be like doing portraits of the presidents on grains of rice? Like maybe, <laughs> but then having to redo them because now you didn't like that rice or something. Or you know what I mean? Like you don't want to end up with a gun in your mouth in the middle of a wheat field. That's not a great way for life to go, right? You don't want to end up like Sid Barrett. You don't want to end up, Brian Wilson pulled it out eventually, but I mean, boy, I mean, mostly. (laughs) But, you know, so, so A, there's the time and attention issue. That is a delicate balance to reach. But then B, in, in terms of the further practical component, as we like to say, is, is back to the culture of berets. So what do we do? Well, we look at somebody like Charles Bukowski, or we look at someone like Tom Waits, or we look at somebody like Hunter S. Thompson or Sylvia Plath, and we see their unique combination of influence, peculi- influences, peculi- peculiarities, and demons, and try to emulate it. And I honestly really believe that that's what a lot of people do. I, as I said on you nice today, I definitely had a Tom Waits phase. Yeah. I, you know, I thought I had to seem like the Tom Waits persona. <clears throat> I, um, I'll never forget one day in my neighborhood, strangely, this is well, strange explain thing. what the persona sorry, is. Sorry, for, please go ahead. No, I <laughs> explain the persona. What and, is and the Tom Waits cases, persona? Well, you know, Tom Waits, um, the early part of his career, he you know, he has a very distinctive voice. Well, distinctive if you don't count Helen Wolf. He sounds a lot like Helen Wolf. But Tom Waits has, you know, you know, like let's uh, 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 very gruff. Uh, let's see. Uh, She's up against the register, a boon and a spatula. Yesterday's blues. She's just an invitation to the blues. As you feel just like Peggy, she looks like Rita Hayward. That's like that's really Tom. good. That's Thank real you. good. Thank you. And that's early Tom Waits. That's a pretty early Tom Waits song. Um, but he had a very, I mean, again, it's funny. Whenever you play, I love playing people Howlin' Wolf so that they'll hear like where, where Beefheart and Tom Waits got their sound. But, but he was very much based in this old school. Um, I mean, I think he was a very, he started out as like, I guess like a singer songwriter guy, you know, but he had a very, he had a distinctive voice and a distinctive persona. And he had, in a way that Billy Joel could never pray to have, like he had this distinctive, like world weary guy who plays the piano in a rundown bar surrounded with like syphilitic sailors and amputee hookers. Like there was something about him. And then there there was a further turn in the late seventies and early eighties where he had this trio of records that was heavily influenced by stuff like, um, you know, Breck Vile stuff, you know, from the Germany in the thirties. Anyway, long story short, um, it's like starting around swordfish trombones, things got super weird with, with Tom Waits. And anyway, so people like me, I would sit there with my co- studying my copy of Rain Dogs in 1986 mm. and thinking about how, oh, well, to all appearances, all I really need is a funny beard and a hat and a, and a weird voice. 
and occasionally hit a Thelonious Monk-like <laughs> clam, and like that'll make me Tom Waits. Right. Okay. I mean, that's the one. Sylvia Plath. Sylvia Plath. Not my favorite poet, but pretty goddamn gifted. Uh, you know, boy, talk about. She had a pretty rough time. You know, you do not do, you do not do, round through, you know, big seal toe daddy. Like she had a really tough time. And uh, does that mean you need to read the bell jar and want self-harm on yourself to write good verse? This all sounds so reductive until you realize how many people you've met who do this, including the person talking right now. I've been through all of that, you know, and in the case of, but in all, in all of these cases, I'm, I'm not trying to break this down simply to as, being as um, reductive as saying, oh, you go buy a beret and think you're an artist. But I think in our struggle to get better at these things, we look at what, we look not simply at what other people focused on in terms of their work, in terms of their interests, their own obsessions, but I think it's not unusual to look at the most superficial components of, of what somebody, how somebody looked, how somebody acted. And the, the exa- this example I was going to give, when I was in college, um, amongst my buddies and me, it was Hunter S. Thompson. Mm. Because at a time, when it is really fun to take a lot of drugs and drinks, take a lot of drugs to drink a lot and to have a delirious vision of a world that may be out to get you, that's a very attractive kind of character. I I think I've said at least half a dozen times on this show, it's early and I can't talk, I'm sorry. He's one of my, he's really one of my favorite nonfiction writers. And, but his nonfiction is also a kind of fiction. I don't think... I think he took a lot of drugs. I think he drank a lot. I think he blew up a lot of stuff. And I think he shot guns a lot. But he also wrote that persona to the piece. Right? right? I mean, this is part of the new journalism is that not everything that is in, you know, um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas happened, let alone in Las Vegas. I'm not sure he had ether down by the pedal while he was driving. I'm, I don't know if that's the case. But we look at that and it's so lively. It's so... <laughs> It's really so full of life that then we might start to think that we need to get a convertible with ether in order to be able to write like Hunter S. Thompson, when what you really need is to just try really hard and be your own Hunter S. Thompson. You've, you've talked about this in the context of notebooks and pens before, too. Yeah, I'm so trying If you to have the right that, notebook and yeah. you have the right pen, that you... This seems and like I, a theme for you. Oh, it is. And uh, I mean, I've walked the path. I bought... Uh, I, I have here in my office the exact same boombox that John Darnielle used to record, not the exact <laughs> one he used, but I went on eBay and bought, just mostly as a lark, but I bought the same boombox that John Darnielle used to record stuff like, you know, Cubs and Five and going to Georgia. Um, and I, I bought the same notebook that Don Murray used as a day book. I've done a lot of this kind of stuff because it feels talismanic. Like there's something I can do here to get a little bit of the juju, if you don't mind my saying, that brought these people all of this... You know, so we've talked about those tool things a lot, and we've talked about those affectation things a lot. But you know, I, I wouldn't be the first person to wonder aloud how much of what somebody was able to create came out of their peculiarities, if you like. And so, I mean, I think there's two ways to look at this that are complementary. One is that, from a practical standpoint, with the, if you've got the screaming in your head, doing art making things becomes a way to, yeah, keep your hand moving and and make decisions. But instead of doing it to post stuff on Facebook or like stuff on Facebook, it is to do things like create, you know, so many canvases um, with this crazy impasto painting that, that, for example, that Van Gogh did. You know, you could become a pretty prolific person. It doesn't mean that the voices in your head and the screaming are telling you to do that. But, you know, 
we all do a lot of things to keep busy. And I, I think that that's one thing that drives a lot of people who have that kind of stuff, you know? And, and, and uh, this is a really, boy, the, the day after, what was it? Suicide Prevention Day yesterday? Like, this is about the last thing in the world that, that I want to... <laughs> I, I feel funny about saying this, but some of the people whose work I've really enjoyed a lot were really, really messed up. But for whatever reason, they didn't always keep the same fire after they got their thing fixed. A great example there is Robert Lowell, which is one of my favorite American poets, who is one of my favorite American poets. And he had, he had, I think he was bipolar. And every spring, he would just go through this completely insane, he would go into essentially like a fugue state. He would leave his wife, he'd show up at the symphony, like conducting the symphony. And, you know, this is like a, a son of Mayflower, who had gone to the finest schools. And I think he won the Pulitzer Prize in right. the late 50s. But like his every, it was, it was a wonderful quote from him where he said something like, it's terrible to think that all the trouble I've caused myself and all the trouble I've caused others was a result of not having enough salt in my brain. <laughs> and once he got the salt in his brain, you know, he didn't create the same kind of stuff. So how do I know? Do, is that because he got treated for his condition or is it because he just got older? You know, I, a lot of people become less propulsive in their creation of art as they get older. Who knows what it is? All I know is this, that like I would not go out and try to get crazy in order to try and write like the people that you admire. You know, um, I think for most of us who are struggling artists that, that may not have the 100% innate skills right. and drive to do it, there are way better routes to starting to make something than trying to emulate that stuff. If anything, I think those are things to look at as a cautionary tale. Be careful who you let manage your business. Be careful not to let Mike Love in your band for too long. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, Chet Baker's embouchure was heavily affected by his teeth getting knocked out by heroin dealers. Like, that was not a great career move. He eventually fell out a window. You know, I mean, anyway. I, the reason I'm ranting about this is it's really early and I'm super tired, but I also think it's... A, I think this is a very interesting issue that to an outsider looking at something like The Aviator, I watch that and I feel such a complex mix of yeah. feelings. Because on the one hand, I have feel resonance with him that I, I hadn't really thought about until last week. I, obviously, I see admiration. You know, First of all, somebody that could keep so many projects going, somebody who could, as we said, talking to a one trip that, in that one incident, be able to muster a certain amount of sanity in mm -hmm. the midst of meltdown like there's so much about that and yeah, and, and have such a such a sort of fiery spirit too not just not just be able to communicate sanely but yeah to be able to have that kind of return and and uh, force of will it's great yeah. it's a great that's probably my favorite scene in the movie because here yeah. he is in 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 this was it for three months that he was locked up in there or something like that yeah he's in a he's in a screening room yeah for like three months with like movies running, it was basically, they were, I think he was like basically just, it was him and they would like drop stuff off and, you know, to give him the milk, you had to hold the bag at a 45 degree angle. And, but, but you know, what's interesting about what you're describing also is that, that these were happening at kind of the same time. Yeah. Didn't you, did you say he, you, you read that biography? Did, I did uh, a you, number of years ago and I, I'm now going to reread it. Yeah. I'm about halfway through it. I've skipped around a little bit, but we'll find that for notes. But the biography upon which the aviator is based, I'm really enjoying, um, Partly because it has very long passages <laughs> of his instructions, <laughs> which are amazing to read. But the one, think about this, like when he's trying to get the desert in, he's trying to, because he's being thrown out of the desert in, 
where he occupies like two floors with him and his retinue. And the thing is, even he was, he was so goddamn monkey balls, you can't even imagine, but he still maintained this fire about how there's this other aspect of his OCD that made him a total pit bull in right. negotiations. Right. He was one of those people, the kind of people I hate dealing with that just want to negotiate forever. Yeah, but what about the liability on this part? Who's right. going to assume? Like he, he, he's, he's sitting around. His wife is literally putting Kleenex between his toes because his nails are clacking so loud. He's, he's out of his gourd, but he's still able to do all of this stuff, you know? And, I know to take it in a really crazy direction, we should do a sponsor. Take it in a really crazy direction. You hear these these stories about people who work for 40 or 50 years and then retire and like either get real sad real fast or or like, you know, have a heart attack within yeah. a month after they quit. It's like something, there's something inside of us. And I don't know if it's just screaming in crazy voices, but there's something about that staying busy, or there's something about like staying in touch with that thing that made you feel alive and able that 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 keeps your drive going. Maybe that, that could be doing Sudoku. It could be volunteering <laughs> at a soup kitchen. But like, you know, when you get to the point where your main avocation is waiting for the prices right and kicking yourself out of your chair, like that can be kind of depressing. Yeah, you no, I, 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 I hear that totally. And I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine retiring. I have no interest in not doing something that, that I enjoy. Now, if, if I eventually run out of things to do, well, I guess then I, I would, but I just, th that kind of thing. And it's not, for me, it's not like a, and I don't, I, I mean, we could only speculate about somebody like Howard Hughes and, and, and who knows, but it's not like I associate uh, self-worth with it. And I've, I've done a lot of introspection about this. It, it, it really is just that feeling of uh, in, enjoying what you do. Like I don't typically take vacations or time off and I don't, miss that and some people you know like i'll hear like my my regular friend you know like the corporate stooges that you and i are, are friends with oh, and, they take, <clears throat> oh, and they take and they take lots of vacations uh you know like i know somebody who has taken my last vacation which was more or less forced upon me and it was three days long was about <laughs> Is that what you call it <laughs> like when the guys with the white gloves start walking up yeah with the yeah, about five years ago, I had to take a a three day, you know, and doing Merlin air quotes, it's three day vacation. Are you being serious? Yeah, I mean, it was about five years ago, maybe a little bit more, five and a half. Okay, and uh, you know, like people, oh, you need a vacation? No, like I really don't. Like I, that doesn't mean I don't want the stressful things in my life to be less stressful. But being, I I like I enjoy the things that I do. I enjoy working. I would like for someone else to do the things that cause me stress. Uh, but, and I mean, that's, that's kind of the goal is to build something that's big enough so that the stressful things can be things that other people enjoy doing instead of me. And, mm -hmm. and, and that lets me focus on the things that I really like to do. But I, like, I, I have no intention of stopping and I don't, like I've been on lots of vacations and taken lots of trips and done lots of things. And people are like, wow, you know, I, like I know these corporate stooges, one of them, <laughs> one of them that I know, I mean, he, he go, goes on, you know him too. I'll tell you after a show, he goes on vacations like clockwork, like every few months. Oh, we went, he's not a corporate a week stooge. Here he's and, he's and an independent publisher. Whatever. And you know, it's no, you don't know what I'm talking. No, not that person, different person, okay. totally different person, but you do know. Him. And, uh, and, 
And, you know, he'll go on a vacation. He'll go, oh, it was great. We went here and did this thing. I'm like, that sounds so not interesting to me. Like, you know, like, I, you know, if I want to relax, I'll turn off light and go to sleep for a few hours and wake up and it's the next day. I'm done. My vacation's over. I wouldn't even sleep if I didn't Did you feel to. that way when you had your... My your, whole life. Felt this way my whole life. Really? Even when you had the jobby jobs that didn't make you happy? You had that yeah, I, was, I would run my own uh, thing on the side or I would do other projects or I would have other things that, that I was doing. And, and they were always uh, focused, I would say, on they were always fitting more into the work category than the hobby category. Like I, I never really spent a lot of time painting figures, you know, for, for board games or anything. And there's nothing wrong with that. But like that wasn't what I... You got a problem with Ralph Partha? I have goals, you know, I have goals and right. I'm working toward the goals. And you're also, you're driven. You are, I mean, I'm, as I say that. In yes, a I, no, I agree with you. I won't deny I think it. you are, I think you are. I won't somebody, deny Yeah. I won't deny it. Okay. No, no. I, and I don't mean it in a, in a, in a bad way, but I mean, you have, you have a certain velocity to, to what you do and that velocity can change or be redirected. But, you know, it seems like it's even in the best of situations, if we're, well, you're the only one who can say this, but I mean, I think it's hard for you to stop things. It's hard for you to stop working. Oh, that, that is totally true. Yeah. Yeah. It is for me too. Um, I've done it. I mean, I've, I've, I've totally done it. And in the times, the times where I was, had a, what you would call a, a more deep and focused meditation practice where that had a bigger role in my life and there were fewer distractions. I, I definitely was moving at a different pace. And I'm not saying that that's better or worse, but there's also that aspect too that I know about. And at the same time, I mean, I think I approach things in as, as driven as I often feel that I am. I think that my demeanor and my approach is generally calmer than people might suspect <laughs> because I enjoy it because I'm doing something I like. Right. I'm not saying that like a million things go wrong in a day and there's a time crunch and whatever and I don't get stressed out. Of course I get stressed out. But that doesn't stand in the way of accomplishing whatever it is that I've, I've set out to do. Um, I want to come straight back to this. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, after I tell you about something I like, but um, I, uh, I read something on a card here that um, I want to mention in passing. I'm adapting something I've said several times that means a lot to me, which is that um, when when challenged about what I would hope to do on something like this show, uh, or or in particular with the abortive book, my 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 goal, to the extent that I was capable, uh, my goal is to help people learn. To, my goal is to help people. My goal is to help people become scared of more interesting things. Because if if there's at the at the base level of a lot of the problems we address at various levels in the stack, you know, think about, think about what you're scared about right now and how interesting it is. Um, because you're never going to not have problems. You're never going to not have stress. You're never going to not have self-doubt. I mean, unless you're again, psychotic and then good luck, go make, you know, <laughs> go make a CMLA play or whatever. But you know, for most of us, I, I think once we accept that there's never going to be a time that we really feel like we, we've arrived, um, you know, we all like to think, oh, when I, in my case, I can, I can, uh, when I turn 10, I get to stay out until the streetlights go off. When I turn 17, I get to go to all, you know, R-rated movies and so on and so forth. And, you know, more money, more, prob more problems, right? More money, more problems. Every one of those things <laughs> mo introduces mo money, I think, is new, the... new things, new yeah. problems, 
right? I mean, we've, we've got friends who are successful that just keep getting weirder problems. And in the case of Howard Hughes, like he just became a big target in a lot of ways. Once, once he was a threat, he got what he wanted, right? He arrived where he wanted to arrive. Yeah. Did that make him happy? I don't know if it made him happy. I mean, he was a snappy dresser and he had some really cute girlfriends. Um, but I'm mean, seriously, Ava Gardner, you know, I'm just saying, Calm. but, but it isn't like he ever said, okay, well that's good. Now I'm just going to go get right. away. I've done it. I've done it. I'm there. Now I'm going to take a break and sit yeah, on the beach. But I, I think, I think one thing to maybe come back to, I don't want to hijack this, but I think one thing to maybe come back to in, in this, and boy, this is all over the map is, is in, we've talked before about being scared of more interesting things. And, and what's an example of that? Well, <clears throat> if you're scared, if you're scared about losing your job, to go a little bit Dan Benjamin for a minute. Yeah. Well, like how long is that going to be a fruitful kind of fear? Because here's the thing, like that is a, a not super interesting fear that if you're lucky, you will have for the rest of your career. Think about that because I will, I will say this again because I want you to think about this. Okay. If your primary fear uh, in your career is that you're going to quote unquote lose your job, mm. well, when will you ever not be in a position where you m might not lose your job anytime? What kind of security do you actually have? And right now, as you sit here, Dan's calling you a corporate stooge. I am not. But, it, but if you're sitting here right now and your primary fear is that, well, first of all, A, how long have you had that fear? And B, when will the day come along that you no longer have that fear? I'm not telling you not to have that fear. I'm just saying that's not an interesting fear. Um, an interesting fear might be, uh, if you're really lucky, is like, what's the next, what's the next interesting thing that I'm going to be scared of? What's the next thing? Or, or, or really, what I'm trying to get at, Dan, is in your case, we talk about like, maybe you want to reduce stress by passing some of the things you do off to other people. Well, what's an interesting thing to be stressed about? What's an interesting thing to be scared about? Well, what's an interesting thing to be excited about? Like, if you're excited about cake in the conference room, you need to look at yourself. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's, that's okay. Like Janice, Janice got on the thing and there's cake. That's good. But like, I, I, I will challenge you to, to look at the things that both terrify and delight you and ask you if those are the kinds of things that are going to be compelling over the next few years. And, and, and again, when we take a big step back, well, maybe one of those things is, well, I need to have the kind of job where I can spend more time with my family for a variety of reasons right? Like not one of those make-believe Lance Armstrong spend time with your family things, but like when one of those real, like, like in my case, like, I'm sorry to do the dad thing, but like I, every day I can't imagine my daughter being any cooler than she is right now. And she likes me. And I'm so not going to have that in maybe even six, eight months or a year. Yeah. I am at, I am at peak love right now, <laughs> as, as Kunstler would say, like after this, I'm going to get closer and closer to the day where she doesn't want to hang out with me. And I have made, I am in the process of making changes to the way I spend my time during the day. I hate saying work because it sounds so lame for what I do, but like in the, like what lounging. I do during the day, my lounging, yeah. I, I mean, I'm trying to get home a little earlier. I'm trying to spend a little more time with her in the morning because I can't imagine another thing for the rest of my life that'll be that great. Yeah. And, um, I, 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 that's a good, that's, that's something that's worth me being scared about. That's something like if I'm going to stress about which one of these like seven, not that important calls I need to get, which four of those I need to dump in order to do that thing. 
I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? It's, it's the times I get stressed out and I get sad, I get depressed, I get bummed when I don't even care about the, when I, when I don't, when, when, a, when a positive outcome to the thing I'm stressed about wouldn't even make me happy. That's, I think, when life starts to really be a bummer. Like if you are, and you know, here's another part of the Howard Hughes thing that gets left out a lot. Do you, I mean, that scene, <laughs> I used to say, you know, oh, the exposition light is on, blink, blink, blink. When the doctor's <laughs> explaining to John C. Riley the extent of Howard Hughes' injuries yeah. after that crash, it's completely staggering. So another thing that made him the way he was after his really, his second, that really big crash is that he was in, a, he had a level of pain that none of us can begin to understand. And that led him to do things like, pump himself full of codeine and to have all these things. And like when he died, they did the autopsy. He had like four needles broken off in his arm. I mean, he was in really, really bad shape. But so like, for example, if you're recovering from an injury, there's all kinds of things to be scared about. There's all kinds of things to be stressed out about. And none of them are fun. A pal of mine on Tumblr got a really, really bad burn on his hand. And mm. it's been amazing and dare I say inspiring to like watch him because like he's an artist and he like, he can't totally use the hand he uses to draw anymore. Mm sucks and like when he put up like his first drawing of something he did with his left hand i was like god damn it that is so cool right eventually you get to a point where now now you get to be scared of well like will my drawings get better but there's a point where you go like will i will i get to like pet my dog with this hand ever again that's a really awful kind of stress and i think when or awful kind of fear anyway i'm not trying to be melodramatic about it but but i am trying to say that the fr practical point i'm trying to get to in the midst of all of this is that we will always have all of these bad things in our life. There's the, whatever, 85 problems, 80, what, what's, what's the uh, number? How many problems? 99 problems. Yeah, right, right, right. But uh, a <laughs> ain't one. But no, in the, in the Buddhist parable, like you're, everybody's got problems. You know, you've just got an extra problem because you think you shouldn't have problems. Everybody's going to have those. If there's anything that could drive you at a certain point between your 20s and 50s, I think an interesting thing is to say, well, if I... If I know that I'm always going to be scared of something, if I know that I'm always going to be stressed about something, like rather than saying like, you know, how do I catch my rocket to the moon? Um, maybe an interesting way would be to say, well, like what kinds of fear will I tolerate in order to have an interesting outcome? I don't know. Does that, is that making some sense? I think so. And in your case, um, it, it strikes me, uh, not to speak personally, but it strikes me that it is somewhat difficult for you to even when you're really on your game, it seems like it's hard for you to hand stuff over to other people. No, that's not a problem. Really? Really. And you just trust that it'll get done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah. It's, it's hard for me. It's really when it, hard when it doesn't get done, I, 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 may, I may get upset. Here's your papers. <clears throat> yeah, but, <clears throat> <laughs> but I absolutely have no problem. As, I mean, if, and, and you can ask, you can ask people who, who work with me. It doesn't take you a long time to hire into that and stuff like that. You've been, you've been talking about getting this salesperson for like two years now. And it's, it's not, that's not a criticism. Sales is tough. Sales it is, is tough. Hard, but all that's I'm saying is one. like you have a high, you have a high standard for that. And, and just I have, no, I have incredibly, incredibly, incredibly high standards. I also realize that nobody is going to do it the way that I want or live up to my expectations. And that's, that is something that I have accepted just like I accept that, you know, I, I am required to sleep within a 24-hour period. I don't like it. I would change it if I could. There's nothing I can do about it. And the fact that you don't get the thing you don't even want bums you out. Yeah. 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 I, I, uh, 
I, I think we talked about this with some um, agreement before, but but I in in any conceivable thing, um, like I have so much trouble passing things off to other people because if I feel like I could do it myself, or I'll eventually have to do it myself, or if I'll have to check that person's work. I mean, this is just a real personality deficit on my part, but I find that I find that really hard to do. But, you know, look at somebody like uh, our pal Howard Hughes. I mean, he's pretty great at knowing who to hand stuff off to so right. that he can... In fact, he says, you know, to, to the one of the new, myriad people telling him that what he wants is impossible. Is it OB or whatever? He's like, you know, you worry, you know, I'll worry about the big ideas. You know, you worry about, you know, doing what I tell you to do. I don't think it was OB, but, you know, somebody like that. Um, can I tell you about something I like? I would love to hear about it. You know about these uh, these people over at the uh, over at Smile. Are you aware of Smile? This is a website, uh, uh, SmileSoftware.com. Yeah, I they think make... they changed the name to Smile. It keeps getting shorter and shorter. But Smile, <laughs> Smile's the best. Our pal, uh, you know, uh, Gene Gray McDonald uh, works over there, and uh, they have an amazing thing called PDF Pen Pro um, that I can honestly tell you. Uh, I, I'm just a huge fan of, and you, you've used this from time to time. Is that accurate? I have used this. I've used this as recently as a couple days ago. I used it yesterday. I used it yesterday. Well, I just because, used it just now then. No, I just used it in a minute. I'm still using it. Mm, the future. <laughs> um, PDF print, pen, pen, hmm. <laughs> PDF pen pro is an application that you use. PDF <laughs> pen pro. <laughs> Did they pay extra now, for that? Because we're going to no, charge them for the that. Thing. Remember when he, when he sued the, the cheese doodle people because of the little uh, cat? <laughs> Remember that? Remember that? No. What is that? Uh, uh, who was it? Uh, Cheetos. Cheetos had a uh, a cartoon um, cat that sang like Tom Waits, and I, he sued them, and I think he might have won. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's not really cheese, but it's a crunchy little doodle you can eat. <laughs> so here's the thing, uh, PDF Pen Pro. I, you know, I, uh, I, I'm going through a very difficult phase right now because. Um, our printer died. We had an inexpensive printer. Oh, no. You know, the, to me, a printer at this point is almost like a fax machine. Not quite. It's just, I need it. But, you know, in, like a fax machine, I need it just enough to drive me out of my gourd. We're practically past fax at this point, almost. God willing, knock on everything wood I can find. But, like, I still need my printer sometimes, and it drives me nuts. It really drives me nuts. Like, when I got to, like, have tickets for a show, and they're, like, printed out. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Why don't I just have my man here make it on cuneiform, and I'll bring it in a, in a barrow. You know? And so, but, so I get forms. People sign this form and fax it back. And I'm like, no. How about I fill that form in? Of course, you know, you know how this works, Dan. Most of these people who love their PDFs so much run their business with these. They send you these PDFs that don't even have fields. People right, don't they're not. It's not like a nice form that, that you can fill out. It's just like a a scanned in well what they're sending you thing. is something to print and then fill out right and then and then send via fax troller or the mailatron you know and I, that's just not how i roll and so i got this form the other day i had to fill out for a thing a speaker release and and uh i went into pdf pen pro i popped that thing open i added about six fields typed in all my information and dropped in uh, a ping of my signature and sent it off that's it that's all there was to it. And, you know, that's a very, here's the thing. Like, I, I am certainly nowhere near the way that, uh, I'm not using this anywhere near the way DSparks or some other folks use it. You know, people like attorneys, my goodness, what, 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 what those folks do with marking up and, you know, uh, yeah, doodling on things and highlighting things and commenting on things, you can do all of that in this app. And it all syncs up through the iCloud, which is just mind-blowing to me. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, isn't it one of those apps like I, you know, I don't use it every day, but man, when I use it, I'm so glad I've got it. It's one of those things that if it's, you don't know 
how bad you need it until you really right. need it. And that's, that's, you know, there's some, when people I think are thinking about, oh, well, what I have to, what I have to use the most? Oh, well, I, you know, I use this one. I like this one. And there are certain things that, that you kind of put in your, in your tool belt to use your term. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those applications that it, it's invaluable, absolutely, utterly invaluable when you need it. And it's the kind of thing that just knowing that it's out there can make you feel a little bit better. Well, I know I can do that. And there have been so many situations when we're doing, you know, you mentioned like hiring somebody, sales sponsorships, like I sign everything this way. I do everything with this application. Somebody sends me something and it's like, I have, I have no fear that I will be able to sign it and return it to you right away. Uh, well, especially it's another one it's of nice. those things where, where people send you something and you know there's all these there's all these folks who think that you know they've got some way of like oh i'm going to protect that thing and i'm going to blah blah and you'll never get at this dvd and in this instance they send you this thing and they clearly don't want you to do it this way which is a pity because they have a paper-based workflow where now you're giving them an extra step but you know what screw that this thing is a giant sledgehammer that will do whatever needs to happen to a pdf in my world and you're right i will buy an extra tool belt just to put this thing in it's outstanding now here's the other thing though if you're worried or wondering what else you can do with this i got two really good links for you um this is a check out uh first of all i must tell you uh, where you can go to learn more about this you can uh, see a, the deep 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 furrows in my face by going to smilesoftware.com slash b2w uh, Jean Gray McDonald said she was tempted to uh, add some extra furrows. I'm grateful that she did not. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, smallsoftware.com slash B2W. But also, uh, this is in show notes for the show, uh, James Floyd Kelly, who has three first names, uh, writing for Wired, recently had something called Efficiency Ninja Part 3, a tablet, a stylus, a man, and a plan, which I think is a joke about an anagram or a palindrome. Which one? Palindrome's not an anagram, is it? Hmm. You're gonna, but you're gonna, an, an analogy is a kind of metaphor. Is that right? It's Azra like a metaphor. <laughs> this thing's terrific, though. Go in, and he'll show you the kind of things that you can do on your uh, on your on your iPad with uh, with this. And and personally, I, I I use a stylus. I use a stylus. I bought one of those uh, that uh, that thing is that the uh, the the Glyph guys put out that big fat one. What's that called? What's that big fat stylus? Cosmonaut. The big fat. Sty- That's right. It's called the Cosmonaut. Man, I love that thing. It's a cool thing. And so anyway, go to this article on Wired. You'll see it in show notes, but it includes lots of great use cases for um, PDF Pen Pro on an iPad. And this is available for OS X and iOS. And that's, that's where that cloud syncing really comes together. Here's a great one, though. Um, I think Dee Sparks has written about this in the past, about if you've got like, activity books for your kids, you can scan them all in. You know, and it gets kind of a bummer with activity books. Like my kid loves like the dot to dots and the fill in the things, connect the dots as she reminds me it is called. But uh, in this instance, like if you want to be able to do those over and over, scan them in, bring them into PDF Pen Pro, give your kid a Cosmonaut or what have you, or a finger, you can buy them a finger. And then they can go in and do those over and over. Like how smart is that? I think that's a, that's a great use, but there's lots of other uses there. And then finally, when you go to smallsoftware.com slash B2W, you'll see a, yet another of the fantastic screencasts by, our, by a 5 by 5 zone uh, David Sparks. And he does a nice, like, what, like 25-minute video on, um, on how he uses uh, PDF Pen Pro. And it's, you know, again, like, like you said, Dan, it's one of those things you may not realize you need it until you've got it. And then you go, wow, this is just the best. And yeah. with, the, with the syncing, um, it's great. Um, and so please, please check it out. Smallsoftware.com slash B2W. If you would like a sledgehammer in your tool belt, uh, this, you could do worse than this. It's, it's an app I use and love a lot. Uh, you got anything else on that? I think you nailed it. What man. else do you say? I mean, what you else use you say? it. This is crazy. It's like having to, to persuade somebody to buy a coffee machine, you know? All right. I mean, 
So they, they, where, do they, where do they go one more time? I got to tell you, Dan, you go to <laughs> smilesoftware.com slash B2W. And again, please go to show notes for this show, which is? <laughs> 5by5.tv slash B2W slash 84. I only mention it because I've added a couple other links uh, for things you can see. A lot and of links in there. Links there. Links, I, a lot of links. Link it up. Feature. Link it up. And so, uh, but we're very grateful to uh, Gene Gray McDonald and to uh, Smile for supporting 5 by 5 and Back to Work. Gene Gray. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm waking up a little bit. I got a steak. I got a steak I'm going to eat in a minute. God, I'd love to have a steak. Yeah, you know what I do? I buy the four packs now. I cook them all up. And then, uh, then I, you know, bring them to work. And, and you know, it turns out. Ugh, that, do you I, keep them? Like, just sit them, sit them out or what? God, I date that places. Oh, the office? Yeah. Did you see that picture of yeah. me in the index cards? Ugh. Yeah, it's really bad. I get chills when I think about it. Yeah. There's a, there's a fine sort of dust that's Ugh. settled on everything. You, you ever, you, you cook a lot of meat in your kitchen? You got a hood. We don't have a hood. You get a fine kind of like grease dust. I got something like that. I got a lot of hairs too. When I'm on the floor. I get down there on the floor oh, and my stop, index cards. Stop, 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 stop. There's a lot of uh, hair. Did I tape up my eyelash? I can't do this. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I, for three days, I, I'm I telling you, I can't do it. Really? I I don't, no, 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 no. I can't well, do it. Let's no, it's, it's a take good it funny story. All right, how about this? I am me in the uh, in the robot. When you're done talking, I'm going to take the headphones off. No, we're done. We're done. All right. We're done. Does your kid like to do the uh, the activity uh, things? Like, uh, does Joel like to, to, to like uh, scribble in books? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do this. I think it's a neat idea. I, um, what? Are, well, no, because I'm talking about the PDF. I'm just, just staring. Oh, okay. At you're right. all right. Trying to get away from the thing. Yeah. It's almost a half inch long uh, eyelash. No, 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 no. All right. Occlu- occluding no, my no, vision. No. Done. <clears throat> <clears throat> Way of the future. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't pick up the milk with my, with my right hand. You know, you guys, you should go see that movie. It's really good. It streams. I wait. You can get it. I put all the links in. You can you can get. I put links in for the DVD, Netflix, right? the Blu-ray, the, um, uh, the instant streaming on Amazon, and you I believe probably it is buy all Netflix. of them. <laughs> well, you never know. You never know where you might be. No, no, and there'll probably be other ones you should buy too. I bought it on the iTunes, and uh, boy, that iTunes st- st- uh, screaming. Thank you, streaming is streaming. Uh, streaming. Dan, it's very early here. What time is it up there? Mm, it's nine nine twenty six a.m. Not huh. the triangulate, huh. but. Huh. Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, so we covered a lot here with the, the, uh, but that fear of interesting things, you know, pick, pick your noun, pick your abstract noun of interesting things. And that's not a bad worksheet for you to work through you, the listener. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you've got that sense of unease, um, I mean, and how do we tie it together? Well, you know, it's not that interesting to be in my case, 20 and trying to emulate a successful person through fairly superficial means. Right. The difficult work is to learn the craft of whatever it is you want to do. You know, everybody emulates other people at first. I emulate people every day. I like to emulate a very gifted man likes to sing on the piano. <laughs> That's not, it's still kind of funny, right? No, it's still, yeah, you it's not as fan? funny, but. Wow, really? You want, what, what era you want to hear? You want to hear another one? <sighs> I, can, I, I can do a lot of them. I, I, I do a hell of a rain dogs. Rain Dog seems to be your where you live, though. You know, Rod Stewart covered one of his songs. I don't understand Rod Stewart's appeal at this point. I find it completely baffling. <laughs> I was thinking from you, it would have been more like I would have liked to hear heard something from Bone Machine. That's that uh, Pixies record. 
<laughs> Tom Waits. Speaking of, uh, come on, Pilgrim. Tom Waits. Hmm. Now, what you're doing now, Mark, Mark Pilgrim's the writer, but Scott Pilgrim is uh, the kid from Arrested Development. Is that right? I don't know. Is he the new one? And The Hunger Game is the one, uh, the Irish movie with the penis. Am I think? I think I'm thinking <laughs> of the guy from Citizen X. <laughs> I think he's thinking name? of Madam Butterfly. Oh, okay. That's that uh, Pinkerton by Weezer uh, is based on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if I remember correctly, <laughs> the guy from the bar that uh, Tony Roma talks to, Tony Roma's at the ribs place. Mm -hmm. Ricky Roma talks to in the bar, the guy from Brazil. Isn't he also in Madam Butterfly or is that M Butterfly? I don't, I don't know, but he was, uh, Jonathan, he was, Jonathan Price. He was someone, uh, dark and nightshade. Yeah. Well, he was John, Johnny, John dark or something dark. John, he ran the carnival that came to town, uh, and something wicked this way comes. That sounds like a dream. It is said. Um, and I had another thing here. I was on a, uh, I was on, on that thing where you could, you could get on the carousel mm -hmm. and it would make you get older, younger. What is that? Is that, you is that a twilight zone? Turn into a boy, turn into a grown. So Rod Sterling, what's his name? Josh, Josh Wheaton. Rod Sterling's great. One of my heroes. Terrific. Terrific. Great writer. Um, I was on a, uh, on, on a, on a podcast, uh, recently and, yeah, you, do um, of, you do a lot of shows, don't you? Yeah. And I want to do more. If you'll ever return my call. Ellipsis. <laughs> Are we still going to do that? Yeah, we're doing it all, man. What if I announced it right now? Wouldn't Don't, that be funny? No, I'll just edit it. I'll edit it out. I'll cut, cut your mic off. Mm. <laughs> I am Merlin. I like to hit my stupid butt face with <laughs> my stupid. <laughs> it's good. I'm a stupid moron with an ugly face and a big butt, and I like to kiss my butt. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. I'm a stupid moron. I'm a stupid moron with an ugly face and a big butt, and my butt smells, and I like to kiss my own butt. <sighs> Boy, we, we really do take a long, long walk through, through the do. cultural history of America. I love Brazil. Hmm. Uh, and we were talking about You Look Nice today, uh, of which there is a, a fairly new episode. Yeah, which is a new one now. She listed Adam's really good. Blueberry. Blueberry morning. I'm not, I don't listen to this stuff. I don't understand why, well, how did the ceremony with Adam start? This is really, really, you know what? I don't want to know. And they were talking about You Look Nice today and I, uh, I make no secret of the fact that I'm- You're good almost, on that show. Thank you. I'm a fan of You Look Nice today. Um, I like that I mean, Scott guy too. Yeah. I mean, Scott's the best. He, he really, really is the best. But I, how I missed doing it for a long time uh, and- you know, I missed it because I liked listening to it, but I also liked doing it. I missed the camaraderie, but I found myself saying something uh, really pretentious that I, I happen to think is true for most of us who like to make stuff. One of the hard things for me when I was working on that stupid book was I was suffering in relative silence, obscurity, and, sol and solitude, right? Like every minor victory I felt like I had with that, I didn't have anybody to really share it with. And because it never came to fruition, as you say, I, I, I never really had something to show for my efforts. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make a big deal about it, but there was an extraordinary amount of effort that went into this thing that never became a thing, which makes me incredibly sad that I, I never even got to kind of make the point I thought I almost was able to make. It was very frustrating. And with You Look Nice today, we had this history of however 30-some episodes that I think are really, for what it is, it's a pretty, pretty good show. No, it's a great show. I'm sandbagging. I think it's a really good show. It's and really I'm just doing show. it. But when it came back, um, as I said, I think this was on that uh, Command Shift interview. I don't remember. Command Space, rather, interview Command Shift. That would not be, you know, press the meta meta keys. Um, 
command space. I, I think this is where I said that, is that there's something um, really appealing about finding a better version of yourself and seeing it in public. Now, you could certainly look at this from the standpoint of going, I found a more flattering picture to put in my profile on Twitter. No question. But if you do make stuff, I think it's kind of addictive, right? And, and I, I'm trying to bring this in slightly to the angle of what you were saying a little bit ago about how you like to work. I mean, I sit around and like, remember I, in After Dark, every episode, I ask you whether this episode is going to be an early or a lady. Yeah. Because I, I, I can't wait for this episode to get out. Yeah, you want, you want to listen, you want to hear, you, want, you, right. you can't wait. I mean, now and, what and are you what are you doing when you're listening to it? And I don't mean are you walking around? When I mean, I'm like free listening to it. I'm doing show notes. I'm doing show notes. No, and no. I mean, after it. the thing comes out, after this thing comes out, are you are you like critically listening to it and thinking about what you could do better? Or are you just simply letting it wash over you as everyone should and and just being entertained or or what? Like, what's going on to you in well, your mind? I mean, what do you, why do you listen? Self-abuse, uh, I think is the term. No, not, no, I mean, like, I, I like listening to, to the programs that I do because uh, I, I think they're good. If I didn't like listening to them, I, they were probably be shows I wouldn't want to do anymore, which is, is such a, it's a funny thing to me. Like, I know some people who can't stand the sound of their own voice. I don't like the sound of my own voice. You don't? But I... I, I, I what would you change? Nothing. I... I um. No, but what I'm trying to say is that like on a show like this, I figure out what I think by, by doing this show. Like if you can't figure out from this hour and 20 minutes of meandering, like this is how I figure out what the hell's going on in my brain. Like I wish everybody had this platform. I mean, you could have it. You could just sit and wander around and talk to yourself. But I, I guess I'm trying to make two, two very silly and self-involved points that I'm, I'll share with you because like I'm pretty okay with it. And one is that like, I wish, I wish you as the listener would be this excited for the next thing you make to come out because it's really addictive. It's really addictive, not just because I'm a, I'm a kind of exhibitionist, but because it really, it, it, it's when you hit it, when you make it onto, when you hit a single or a double, it feels really good to make the contact with the bat. This is a sports ball analogy. When you, when you make contact with the bat and are able to get on base, it's not only a certain kind of like exciting feeling of success or non-failure, like you feel really good. Like you've helped the team and you're, you didn't suck that time. And maybe this is the demons in my head is that when I put something out and I think it doesn't suck, that makes me feel really good. And that is why I say it, when you're making something, you're making a better version of yourself. If you're invested in what you make as a person, and, and I am, I guess, mo mostly speaking about the lively arts here. I'm not so much talking about Excel here, although that can always be the case, I guess. But, you know, if I want to make a, I want to produce, like, I I'm me and I'm a mess. Like, that's how I am. Like, this is, this is it. You're seeing it. Like, this is how I am. But the point is, if I'm able to put out a song that's as good a song as I can put out, that makes me feel great. Yeah. Like, I, I don't keep... And I will be a little obsessive sometimes about trying to get it better. One of the songs we did for Squarespace, for example, people were saying, oh, you know, the mastering on this, which is easily next to singing, is my, my least capable thing that I do with those. I went back and fixed it. But you know what I'm saying? Like, w when I'm able to put something out there, it makes me feel good. And I think it is addictive. And I think... People who post things on Tumblr, people who uh, make music, uh, people who draw comics and put them up every day. I think that's a, you're getting a little bit of the screaming out of your head when you do that. And you're producing something that is, is in its way a better version of yourself. And the, the, here's where I tie it all together. When you look nice that it didn't come out, it made me sad. 
because I didn't see new versions, updated versions of that better version of myself. And in your case, I bet it would be hard for you to go. You don't listen to your own shows maybe so much, but mm. like you, you know, but you know, you know that people love what you do. You must. I mean, you could be silly about it, but you wouldn't do this if you didn't think people liked it. And if you took two months off, you I, you would lose your mind, wouldn't you? Two days off. Right, right, because that becomes part of who you are if you're really, really lucky, is that you get the opportunity to make this thing where you're excited and exhilarated when it comes out and maybe scared, right? There's lots of things where, it come, where I, we, I'm involved in something that comes out and I'm like, oh my God, I hope people don't hate this. There've been several episodes of this show, numerous episodes of Roderick on the Line where I was like, I, I like this. I think it's okay, but it's right on the edge of what I think is okay. And I, I hope people that I respect like it. I don't care if everybody likes it. I could care less if everybody likes it, but yeah. I hope the people that I admire like it. Right, that's your I hope. think that's addictive. I think that's addictive. And I think you never get to that point, unless you're Weird Al, like you never get to that <laughs> point by just aping other people or or by trying to drink yourself into oblivion and think that you're William Faulkner. You know, once you get past that emulation stage, once you get pe- get into the, if you like craft, which is pretentious, but true, Right? You have to learn them. If you're going to be a writer, it helps to learn the mechanics of writing. It helps to learn the conventions of submitting things. It helps to learn all of these things. In, in the case of uh, Dalrymple being on um, Mac Power Users the other day, talking mm-hmm. about like dealing with his CMS and, and you know spending as little time as possible on those things. Once you get past all those mechanical things and the notebooks and the pencils, it really does become about like going from that whatever that screaming in your head is to getting it out into something that is a better version of that. And I think that's intoxicating. That's a great word for it. Uh, I talked a lot there. That was a good one. Does that have anything to do with how your broken brain works? (sighs) Yeah, I mean, I think in a way, um, there there is that aspect to it where you know, and I feel in a way, like some people have asked me if it's like the responsibility thing. Like, do you feel obligated or do you feel like you, you have to do this? And... I mean, obviously, this is how I make my living. This is how I pay bills. So, yeah, I mean, (laughs) I feel like I have to do it. But if you were going to give me, you know, if somebody wrote out a check today for, you know, 50 million bucks and made it so that me and my generations of descendants would not have to work again, uh, would I still work? And the answer is yes. And I would change very, very little about what I do. Uh, There's some equipment I would upgrade. I would get a better... uh, you know, a better Co-host. setup and uh, I would fly you out more often. You know, I would change the way I do things, but I wouldn't change what I do or how much of it or or whatever. I'd be able to make decisions that allowed me to focus on doing things that I like a little more and the things I like doing a little less, but the things I don't like doing a little less. But, you know, that's there's a lot of people if you if you said if if you had enough money that you and your family and your kids and maybe their kids would just be taken care of. And even if you worked every day, you would not be able to accumulate any more financial security, wealth protection, et cetera, than what you have at this moment that you're being granted this super check. Would you, what would you change? Most people that I know, most people would say, I ain't working again. Uh, you know, for me, I would, I would like just make some upgrades to my environment. It's, uh, yeah, I, I, I totally believe that. And, and I, I, I think I, I really agree with that. But, you know, the intriguing part of that 
in the way you framed it though is like how we imagine uh, how you imagine other people would do it and yeah. those Well I've asked I've asked so many people and it's I think right. it's hard to imagine uh but I think I think that this is in part because I am incredibly incredibly lucky to be doing what I do and that that's a big differentiator um I you know when I started this thing I wasn't making anywhere near uh enough to pay bills and you know, and, and I still wanted to do, and I was still determined to do it because this is what I've always wanted to do my whole life. You, you know, there's that silly picture of me when I was, you know, a little broadcasting when I was four or five years old. I mean, this is what I've always, 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 always wanted to do. And the fact that I can do it and pay bills and bring along some other people for the ride is like, that's the absolute coolest thing. And I'll do it for as long as I possibly can, can do it. I don't know if that He's, answers your question. Well, well, it does, but it does, and it it's it seems so self evident to you, and and mostly self evident to me of like you know again I, this is this is such a malady that I have, but I I feel so stupid calling what I do work. I mean, I, I and not even because I'm trying to be some like like douchebag. Other people internet. might call it work. Well, I mean, it is work because it's what I it's what I spend time on to produce things that I like that that sometimes make money. That is a kind of work. I mean, in the world of physics, anything you know, what I'm gonna stay away from physics. Um, but but you said something a while ago about how you don't like to sleep, and you. It sounds like you, for practical purposes, said that if you could avoid having to sleep, you would. Yeah. Oh, totally. Well, it's I, not. I, I'm not at war with sleep. It's no, just no, a no, no, huge no, waste no. of time. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, like in my case, I, I like to sleep. I've really, <clears throat> I, I'm a big believer in sleep. I think, I think sleep is one of those things that like has such an impact. Sleep it really, food. truly, truly does. It's, it's you know, yeah. paleo like, diet, especially like it or not, you've got to do it. You've got to do it. Critical. So here, here's the thing though. So your example was what if, so you, you're, you're this person who works and maybe you're not you, but one is someone who works. You're one who works primarily because you got to make a living. You're one who feels like you'll never have enough money and it would be awesome if you didn't have that. Um, well, I think those are really two f- quite different things in some ways. If, if you were, if you ever got, if one ever got to the point where you were open to those being two very different things, um, the, you know, the whole idea of work and the whole idea of money are heavily related. But if they're not related in a healthy way, like you're not going to be a happy person. And so for you, like, and yes, let's, let's just admit you are a very driven person, but if somebody came up to you and offered you this notional blank check, like name any, name any number in, in the world, like seriously, would if you, if I, if I could make you the richest person in the world and it's not a genie trick, there's not something like where you get a third eye or, you know, a sixth arm or something. There's no, no trick to this. There's no <laughs> right. Midas touch, right? Okay. Genies always have a trick. They always do something. They're always screwing, They're always with, screwing with you. You know, but they got the power. They're the ones with the wishes. Monkey's paw sort of way. Oh, don't get me started on the monkey's paw. That's my, the eyelash was like half an inch long. Stop it, it, stop it, stop it. It, it occluded come my on, vision. Come on, come on, come on. I don't, ugh. Now, if somebody came up to you and said, you, I'm going to give you your wit, your, I'm going to hit you with this magic wand or whatever, right. and you're never going to have to sleep again. You will get the organic uh, the all the benefits that you need. Yeah. Just well, let's know. But here's the thing. Let's say I'm here's. The, let's be honest. Let's put it in the same way. All, all you're saying, all you're saying with money is that you're gonna have unlimited money. That, that that's that is a super. There's a super genie trick in the middle of that. Let's be honest. Yeah. Because <laughs> suddenly you're gonna have lots of new friends that aren't your friends. You're suddenly gonna have lots of things to worry about. You got more to lose than ever, right? 
unless unless that really is a bottomless bank vault. If somebody gave you a finite amount of sixty gajillion dollars, well, what do you have to do now? You got more to lose. What do you do? You put it in different accounts. Do you worry? Do you stick it in? You know what I mean? I like do. that's <clears throat> if you got anxiety about money, getting more money is not going to make that anxiety go away. It won't. That's just not going to happen. But in your case, let's say this 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 dickhead of a genie says marker says, okay, here's the deal, Dan <laughs> Dan Ruth Benjamin. I'm going to say that. You no longer have to sleep in order to have baseline health. If you chose to sleep for relaxation, you could. Okay. If you chose, you know, and so forth. Making this easy on Whatever them. the same rules are as money, you might say yes. I'm guessing. I would say yes. Now, in my case, I like to sleep. Like, I, I mean, even if you gave me that, like you said, if you gave me all this money, yet you, you say, if somebody gives you all that money, you still want to work. Well, if somebody, if the genie gave me no need for sleep, I'd probably still want to sleep because I like taking a nap. It makes me feel better, even though I may not biologically always need it. I don't know. Maybe I changed my mind after the visit with the genie, but, but in my case, that would mean a lot. So here's some other ones. What if, what if I guaranteed you baseline health appropriate to your age and you never had to move again? So no more exercising. Let's say you maintain your weight within 15% of what it is right now, age adjusted for how old you are. You know, because genie, every genie's an actuary. Yeah. Um, well, no, it's fun to move. Like, it's fun to throw a Frisbee. It's, fr- it's fun for me to go out and run around with my kid. Okay, how about this one? What if I told you you never had to eat again? Well, no, I like food. What if I told you that you would have the baseline amount of existential sanity without ever having to have another friend? Well, no. I like having friends. Right. I don't want to not need friends. And I mean, even if I didn't need friends, I would still go out and find friends because I like friends. Even though you give me unlimited money, I would still want to work. And what's different about all of those, barring in your case, sleep, is that, is that all of those are things that we like doing and accept as part of life. Having friends is a part of life that can sometimes be complicated, but it's frequently really fun. It's nice to have people you can talk to. In my case, like, it's nice to have people tonight. I'm going to go out and have a steak and drink with two friends of mine, and I'm super glad about it. Like, that means the world to me. And so, like, would I want to take the, 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 the whack on the head from the genie if I just said, oh, uh, sorry, Scoots, like, uh, I don't need friends. I'm happy. I'm good. No, right? And, and that, if, I don't know if I'm making enough of a distinction for that to seem as monkey balls as it is to me, but, like, work is part of life. It's going to be something that you... God, if you don't want to work after you've got the money, like, wow, that sucks. Like, wouldn't there be something that you want to get really into? And when we say work, I'm talking about an absorbing thing that produces a result that you're excited about or that, you know what I mean? Uh, you, you, might, you might go and just pour yourself completely into some kind of charity work. Yeah. You might go pull weeds at my kid's school, please. Like, <laughs> but do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we, we, accept, we accept and enjoy the fact that there's this, there's a certain amount of friction in life, as John Roderick would say. Like we, we, we have to deal with people. We have to move. We have to eat. We have to sleep. And like, would you ever make a deal with the devil that you didn't have to do those things anymore? Well, then you wouldn't really be a person anymore. Like everybody's worried about money. Everybody's worried about work. It's just a question of like, do you want to be worried about cool work or not even cool work? Do you want to be worried about work that gives you the interesting fear? That's, that's to me like the big, big, big question. Right? I'm robbed of sleep, I will get crazy. Robbed of food, I get kind of cranky. Robbed of friends, I get sad and I feel lonely. And so I have to do things to make sure that I keep a supply of, of those that's, that's good for me and the food and the friends and the everybody. But that sounds like either a, a super high-level pretentious thing or an incredibly obvious thing or maybe something else. But, you know, 
when you accept that work is going to be a part of your life, that just going to be a certain part of your day that you're going to spend doing stuff, especially if you have an active mind, then it just, it really does come down to like what you can tolerate for how you spend that time and yeah. whether in my parlance, those problems are interesting. Boy, this is long. Wow. Yeah. I tell you about something I like. Yeah. You heard about this uh, Squarespace? I do know about Squarespace. Um, Squarespace six is out and it is, it is outstanding. It is a, uh, it is a fantastic way to create a website or a portfolio or a blog or whatever you want to do. Uh, we've put up these screencasts. You can go to merlinm.com slash S six. There are more of those coming. Um, but, um, it's, you spend time with this. I spend time with this. I see more and more people every day on the tutor mentioning that they've done this. Um, I would really like you to go and sign up for this by going to uh, squarespace.com slash back to work. Um, without a credit card, even, you will get a 14-day trial that you will hopefully then want to pick up. But I want you to go in and play with this, and I want you to try one thing that I think is really neat. Um, this is probably the next one of these screencasts I'm going to do. It's really fun to make an about page. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> it's really fun <laughs> to make an about page with Squarespace um, by using these little dinguses, these, these little blocks. Because blocks are just these little bits of containers of content that you drag onto a page, you arrange however you want, you make columns, you make rows, you make floats, right? And this is all kinds of stuff like, I actually did a screen grab here to jog my memory. Yeah, that can be things like text, images, galleries of images, drop in videos, drop in quotes, embed things from other sites, audio, um, you name it. I mean, again, <laughs> Amazon links, pretty cool. Um, and I, I want you to go in and try this just for fun because it's pretty neat. Go in, get your trial account, create a new page called About, and notice that you could do stuff. Like let's say, man, let's say maybe you got a business. You can drag in a map and show where you are on a map. You can drag in a form right onto that page. You don't have to go make its own page. Drag a form in. And if you want to have a really simple, like two or three field email form, you do it. You just drop it onto the page and that gets mailed to you. Um, if you want to go in and let's say, again, let's say you got a business, for example, if you got a bakery, you drag in one of these little dinguses, the uh, block for a gallery, and then all you have to do is drag images from your desktop. It's so fun to do. And I have to tell you, <clears throat> if you're wondering what Squarespace 6 can do and why it's fun to do, it, before you start worrying about your quote unquote content for your site, go make an about page because if there's one thing you know about, it's you. And uh, if you want to drag in your uh, Foursquare check-ins, which I, I wouldn't, I'm not sure why you would want to do that, but, but you could do that. You could do people, that. People can find out where you are for a minute. And, uh, and uh, whatever you want to do, though, it's so fun to do. Um, I don't know if you've done that, Dan, but I think that's a good demo for somebody who's going like, you know, why would I do this? Uh, and then you get to arrange them all on the page, which is so fun using this layout engine. You get to just drag this stuff around. It's totally WYSIWYG, drag and drop. And it's, it's just a joy to use. So that's my recommendation to you. Go to squarespace.com slash back to work and, uh, and sign up and uh, go make an about page for fun. And you know, this is a new month, Dan. Uh, this is our first Squarespace uh, spot in the month of nine. Nine. Ninth and every, month. Nine, nine times. Nine times. Way the future. Uh, number nine. And <laughs> you know, that's our OCD is, is the bits. You know, that's a form of OCD. Is that? Yeah, way of the future. So anyhow, uh, every month, uh, our little Ryan gives us a new offer code, which means that on top of all the discounts and, uh, and special deals that you can get for signing up for Squarespace for a year or more, including getting a free domain name, you will get an extra 10% off anything you buy at Squarespace by using the back to work offer code. Do you, do, you, do you remember what? I do not know what this is. Offer code for the month of eight, special offer code Dingus, D-I-N-G-U-S, no spaces. It's a good one. Dingus. If you, uh, when you check out and, uh, and drop your card to, uh, to finally sign on to this, and you will, uh, use the offer code Dingus for an extra 10% 
off of anything that you buy on the Squarespace. And uh, so go to squarespace.com slash back to work and try this out. Uh, and again, you know, Dan, again, I was going to have this one be about procrastination. Um, because I'm behind on lots of things and I wanted to talk about that. But there are more screencasts coming. I think the next one is going to be on uh, tricking out stuff with blocks. Um, but go go to merlinm.com slash s6. I have uh, been very uh, uh, grateful and happy to hear that people have liked these screencasts as a way to actually see how this stuff works. Maybe, uh, you know what, maybe I'll go into the notes. Is it is it a pain for me to drop a video on no. the notes page? No, I'll, drop notes. It in. I'll drop the latest video on the notes page for this episode. So yeah, you can go good. and see that. If that interests you, you can jump in. But a big fan of this and very grateful to, uh, to Little Ryan and uh, Squarespace for supporting 5 by 5 and Back to Work. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good supporters. Sleep, friends. God, genies, man. Genies, just, man. They're the worst. It's like, a, you know, first of all, somebody hands you a monkey's paw, really? Like, do you want that around? Dan, what would you do if somebody tried to hand you a monkey's paw? Grab it. Did I mention it occluded my vision? It was like almost half an inch long. The eyelash. I had to. I tried to try and grab it. I grabbed it with my fingers. I tried to get it out. I, I had to get a paddle of fifty Kleenex just to grab it. He calls them paddles. Hmm. What's the name of that book? Are you back? Did you cut me off? You cut me off, didn't you? I took my <laughs> headphones off. I was watching the, the waveform to see when you would pause. That was mean. Howard Hughes biography. What's the name of it? The, not the recluse. I put it into uh, it's his life and madness, I believe. Isn't that? Isn't it strange that I have read and enjoyed this book that I don't even know the title of it? I just went to iBooks and bought it and read it, and I don't I even books. know the title. iBooks. It's really, really read odd. iBooks. How I buy books. I buy books on iBooks. <laughs> Here's the thing. Fear of interesting things. Dan, I think that's a sticky idea, the fear of interesting things. Is that, is, is that too dorky? Because I, I think it's good. Not too dorky. Not too dorky. You, don't, you know, the only way to find out what you really think is to listen to other people's shows. Because you say it's not your job to correct people. The only way to find out what you really think is to go elsewhere. Explain. Hmm. Well, you know, uh, you, you don't correct me when I say things wrong. And you don't correct uh, my I also boy. don't test you with strange scientific references intended to, to trip you up. Go. No, and don't I, have I'll any, won't we'll do up. it. Won't do it. You're obdurant. You're incorrigible. So we got Ultraman getting pumped. Beautiful losers and genius lunatics. Corporate stooges, Dan. Really? Yeah. Are you picking titles? Is this the After Dark? My problem is with vacation. Is this the After Dark, though? No, I would tell you if it's the After Dark. Right. We didn't do the sign-off. Criminy, Pete, are, are you... I just want to know. Talking? I didn't know what you were picking titles already, it sounds like. Ask you a question. Have I ever done the show without buttoning it up? Go ahead, caller. You want to button this up? Sure. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.